This will be up in the top five sermons I preach all year for importance. It is so vital that today we understand who we are and define who we are from the Bible. We're Bible-believing church. We would not be here if there wouldn't be a Bible. I don't want to be religious. God forbid. I don't want to be religious. I want to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and obeyer of the Word of God. And so we are people of the book. Who are we? We are people of the book that is the Bible. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are, but all things are naked and open unto him, unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. Okay? I want to talk about this passage. This is a proof text passage. This is a pillar passage of the Bible defining itself. What is the Bible? Well, here it is. Who are we? We are fundamentalists. No matter what the Islamics may call themselves or any other religion, it is a good word. The word fundamental is a good word. Don't let them ruin your good word. If you're, in, if you're losing, I played football, played baseball, and we would be losing, and at halftime, the coach would come in and football, and he'd say, men, we're going to go back to the fundamentals. No more razzle-dazzle like, like the Patriots. Back to the fundamentals. Let's get back to the fundamentals of the game because that's, that's what makes it happen. And so Funk and Wagnall's Dictionary, I, anybody familiar with Funk and Wagnall's? Funk and Wagnall's, that's a good dictionary. I've got one. I like to use it, even over Webster's. Here's their definition, secular definition of fundamentalism. Fundamentalism, here's what they define it. The belief that all the statements made in the Bible are to be taken literally. Let's go home. All the statements, the, the belief that all the statements made in the Bible are to be taken literally. I'll explain that. Fundamental as a connotative definition also of pertaining to or constituting a foundation, a basic, primary, essential foundation. So when we say we're fundamental, we say we're on the foundations, the primary foundations of the Word of God. Uh, why isn't everybody, with that said, why isn't everybody a fundamentalist? Here's why. Because if they took the statements of the Bible literally, they would have to change their behavior radically. Uh People move away from fundamental approach to the Bible because it contradicts their way of looking at the world and themselves. What you decide this morning on this issue, or have decided, will affect everything in your life. There won't be anything it won't affect. Your outcome will be radically different if you start interpreting the Bible like the cults interpret the Bible. How do you get cults? You get cults when they interpret the Bible historically, 
allegorically or culturally. That's how you get the crazy differences of belief. There literally can be no end to the amount of differences we have if we interpret the Bible historically or allegorically especially or culturally. Did you know that the Bible doesn't care about your culture? The Bible is not PC. You know what I mean by that, right? You know, I got to say this. The Bible doesn't care about your feelings. If you cry yourself to sleep, the Bible's good with that. It may be your salvation. And so the Bible, point of logic, if I may say a point of logic here, the only method of interpretation that is repeatable from generation to generation consistently is what the approach the fundamentalists have adopted. The proof. You can travel all over the world and find fun Christian fundamental fundamentalists and to compare notes with them and you will line up doctrinally with their beliefs in an amazing agreement. You can go to uh, uh, Mongolia, which our brother's been to, or you can go over to Japan, or you can go to South Africa, or you can go to Orlando. <laughs> and you'll find fundamental Bible-believing Christians. Now, you don't know them. They didn't, we didn't go to the same schools. We didn't study the same schools. We didn't read the same commentaries. And if you go to another language base, they don't even speak the English. They speak some other language. And yet, we will compare notes on what the Bible teaches, and you'll be real close, real close to each other. Why? Because the literal method of interpreting the Bible is repeatable generation to generation to generation to generation. I believe very similar to what Paul the Apostle believes. How is that possible 20 centuries? You know how people are. It's because of the method of interpretation of the Bible. We take it for what it is. And so we are people of the book. Because we take this passage, which I quoted to you, literally, and we, we seek to conform our wayward belief systems and our wayward images and thoughts to the Bible. We respect it for what it says it is not what we think it is, it's what it says. We are the ones to change, not it. You with me? But people have maliciously changed the Word of God, have diluted the Word of God. That's what you call liberals or moderates, where the Bible doesn't really, you've heard this, the Bible doesn't mean what it really says. That was back in the first century. First century people obviously aren't who we are. But yes, I have to say they are who we are. The only difference is they aren't cursed with a cell phone. People are people are people are people anywhere in the world. We have some little small differences, but ultimately we're the same. We, we have goals, we have aspirations, we have families, we have marriage, we have children. We have, we're very similar in our areas of operation over and over and over again. We are people of the book here at the gospel. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take seven points, don't be scared, seven points in interpreting, explaining, that's what exposition means, it means to explain, 
uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not made manifest in his sight, but all things are open and naked, naked and open unto him of whom we have to do, the eyes of him with whom we have to do. What a verse, what a verse. I think there's seven good things to learn. First of all, number one is the word of God is divine. For it is the word of God, for the word of God. It's divine. Uh, take it literally, what does it say? It is God's thoughts expressed in words and placed in sentences and in paragraphs, located in chapters and books, forming one book with a unified theme to it. The word lagos, Jesus said in the beginning, well, John of Jesus, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and it goes on. What does the word mean? It's the word lagos. Jesus is considered the word. John says our hands have handled the word of God. Jesus is the expression of the Father. People say, no man, no man has seen the Father at any time, God the Father at any time. But we've seen him if we've seen Jesus. Philip came to him and said, show us the Father. Jesus, I think almost insultedly, if I may say it that way, says, Philip, have you been so long with me and not knowing me? What? A man claiming that he is the representation of the Father, the creator of all that is? The, the, what? But that's exactly what he said. Jesus is the, as the lagos, is the thought and expression of who God is, is found in Jesus. If you want to know the Father, you look at Jesus. That's how he can say, I and the Father are one. We're one. So first of all, the, the verse says, for the word of God. And I'm going to take each phrase. For the word of God. It is divine. Uh, he is the holy lagos. Uh, it's not man's words. From the very beginning, it's made clear it's God's words. The first part of the verse, for the word of God. Point of logic. If these are God's words, then that demands our utmost attention, respect demonstrated by our obedience. Does that seem, seem right? If, this, if the Bible is the very word of God, that you're creator, and the sustainer of all that Hubble telescope sees, that demands my attention. For sure demands my reading. You see why I get up here and hobble around, go crazy, get red-faced and everything else? Because if you don't read this, then you don't believe that it is the word of God. For if you believed it was the word of God in, a, in any kind of definition of belief, you would read this book. Some people go past reading it and memorize it. They go over and over and over and over and over to the place where it becomes in long-term memory, and they put it in their long-term memory. Some people put verses on their cars or uh, verses in their mirrors at home, and they, they, said they believe. Why? They believe it's the Word of God. The, the verse starts out saying, let's, let's define where this comes from. It's not the Word of man. Men wrote it. Somebody said years ago, would you have believed it more if a monkey had written it? Would you believe it more if a donkey had written it, like 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 Balaam's donkey? Would you believe it was what the fact that God used men and breathed upon them as it were, and they wrote it? People say, 
liberals, people that don't take it literally say, oh, the word of God, it's been corrupted, it's been added to, it's been taken away from. There's no, no book could be interpreted, could be, uh, uh, excuse me, copied as many times the Bible and still be true. That is a true statement, unless it's divine. God has no trouble keeping it. Now you see where fundamentalists are coming from, right? The second thing I noticed about it, the word of God, it says, is quick. The word quick means alive. That's what it means. Its essence is life. Its entry brings life. Luke 4.4, 4. it is written that a man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You are here this morning because God said so. And when God says you're going to die, there is no amount of CPR, no amount of electric shock, no amount of adrenaline in your heart that's going to save you. You're going. Because he's the giver of life and he's the taker of life. And so <laughs> the word of God's quick. It brings life. By, by the way, those are Jesus' words in temptation. The saint was tempting him in Matthew chapter 4. It is presence, the word of God brings light. The entrance of thy words giveth light. Psalm 119, 130. It's creative. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. It's creative. I would say it's, it's also directive. Uh, the word is a light unto my path and a uh, lamp unto my light of my feet. That's it. In other words, it directs me. Proverbs Three, five and six also would indicate that. So do you want to live? Obey the word of God, because the word of God's life to you. So we see thirdly, it's powerful. So it's the word of God, it's alive, and it's powerful. For the word of God is quick and powerful. Powerful. The word in Greek, powerful, is our where we get our word energy. It's operative, it's effectual. It changes where it goes. It's the ultimate mover and shaker. It's the changer of all changers. It'll take a drunk and make him sober. It'll take a drug addict, drug addict and make him free. It'll take a whore and make her pure. It'll take a liar and make him honest. It's a changer. The Word of God will change you. You can't. You start putting this Word in you, and you're going to start changing. Your face will change. Are you with me? Your face will change. I've seen people saved. And saw him two weeks after they got saved and looked at him and said, something has happened to you. I didn't know they got saved. I mean, I looked at their face and it was like, it had a, there was a, there was, I'm, I'm telling you, we, we have some sort of a sixth sense. And it was like a, it was like a relief across their face. It was like a, almost like, almost like a glow. And they said, yes, I got born again, uh, maybe a week or whatever, a few days ago. And if you keep studying the Bible, you'll get a glow about you, too. Boy, it's good. It's sharper, by the way. The fourth, the fourth note, thing I noticed about verse 12 of Hebrews 4 is it, is it is cutting. The phrase, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's what now? Sharper. It's what? Sharper than any two-edged sword. Samurai sword, sharpen it, do whatever you want. And God's word sharper than that. Uh, the word definition of that is keen, 
not requiring repeated blows, hence sharper. I've often heard people say to me that they they sat through a sermon and the preacher said one phrase and they left and that one phrase kept just repeating over in their mind. The Holy Spirit just kept repeating that one phrase over in their mind, over in their mind, over in their mind, over in their mind, coming to me. I'm trying to think of the phrase myself. There was a man went to a D.L. Moody meeting. Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. That was a phrase he took out of that message. And he was an alcoholic, and he went outside, and he said he couldn't get away. That's all he heard about. That's all he heard was that phrase. The man ended up getting saved. That's because the Word of God is cutting. Uh, it, will be, it, will, it will change you. Many times people leave here offended. Can you believe that? thinking I was preaching at them, but all the while not realizing that it was the Word of God that was cutting them to shreds, not me. I'm not preaching to any one individual. I'm preaching to God's people and maybe lost people today to tell them the truth of the Bible. But people said to me on the way out, now preacher, how in the world did you know that? I said, I didn't know that. Don't tell me, because if you tell me, then I'm going to know it. Don't tell me. Well, how'd you know this happened this week? I didn't. The Word of God did. Why do people often weep when they hear the Word of God, either sung or spoken? Because it's cutting. It's cutting. It pierces. And with that in mind, let me say that's the next point. Number five, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing. That's the next word. That means it's penetrating. Uh, Why? Why do we see sinners avoiding the hearing of the Bible? Why, uh, what are they afraid of? What are sinners afraid of? Take the Bible on one of your work sites. See what happens. Take the Bible to your office. See what happens. Take the Bible about anywhere. And, and the world goes, oh, not that book. Not that book. Not that. That's because it's penetrating. They, they instinctively know there's something in that book's going to cause them some pain. But it's the kind of pain a surgeon causes when he's trying to save your life. Have you ever gone to the doctor and had something removed? I've had a, I had a benign tumor removed on my shoulder, about that big around, looked like a golf ball. And, uh, uh, you know, she said, this will be a little uncomfortable. Well, they lie. That wasn't a little uncomfortable. That was, that was real uncomfortable. And dentists are the worst. They must teach how to lie in dentistry school. Oh, you don't need Novocaine. This will just be real quick. Mm. Now I tell them, brother, throw the Novocaine to me. Even if I don't need it, just give it to me. The movie came out years ago called The Passion of the Christ. I watched it a number of times. It rightfully depicted, really, the New Testament teaching on the Passion Week. And what was amazing, he put it in modern Aramaic. There's 250 million Muslims that speak Aramaic. And he translated it. They spoke, as during the movie, Aramaic. So when it went to the Muslim countries, they didn't even have to have those little things on the bottom. 
they couldn't understand what they were saying. And I heard and I read articles that were credible that when that Passion of the Christ movie went into the Muslim countries, the movie theaters were loaded, waiting in line to get in because they wanted to see the Passion of the Christ because here's what they wrongly thought is they, they wanted to make sure the Jews were blamed for crucifying the Christ. Or, you know, they got a little uh, competition between each other. But what it was, the Word of God is preached, brother. The Word of God will penetrate you, whatever your motivation is, if you'll just expose yourself to it. I challenge you to go to church this next year. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, say, it, don't kill, it will not kill you. Amen? You, at the end of 2020, will be a better person. If you attend a, a fundamental Bible-believing, preaching church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and you will not miss anything that you normally do in those hours. You won't miss it. In fact, you will be a gainer. You're seeking all other kinds of avenues to help yourself and missing the one that will help you, the Word of God. The world's afraid of it because somehow they understand instinctively that in the degree that it represents the Word of God, it may pierce them and convict them and demand change in their lives. Number six, it is discriminating. Verse 12 says, even the, to the dividing asunder of spirit and of the joints and marrow. It's discriminating. The Word of God divides wherever it goes. It discriminates. It's not, by the way, discrimination is not a bad word. You do it all the time. It shows the difference between light and darkness. It shows the difference between holy and unholy. It shows the difference between good and bad. Discrimination is good. The Word of God will discriminate. It will, it will say, this is bad, this is good. This is bad, this is good. This is bad, this is good. It'll help you. Oh, we're full of darkness, no doubt. We need a complete makeover mentally, no doubt. Our time-honored system of belief that we have without the Bible is about 99.9% wrong. I like Jesus where he says in Matthew 10.34, Think not that I'm come to send peace on the earth. I'm not come to send... I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. And I've seen it. And a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. When you accept the word of God for what it is, it will begin to do all of these things in you that I've spoken about. And one thing you'll notice right away, your old friends don't want anything to do with you. When I got right with God, my old friends, they came by. They said, hey, let's go out drinking tonight. I said, oh, I don't do that. Let's do some drugs. I don't do that anymore. What's wrong with you? You're, and they, they spoke this like it was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. You're not going to be fanatical, are you? Well, I said, no, I'm not going to be fanatical. I'm just believe the Bible is the Word of God, and I'm just going to endeavor to conform my life to the Word of God. Oh, brother, don't do that. You'll be ruined by that. The seventh thing, notice, that it is revealing, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged two sword, piercing, dividing 
asunder of spirit and joints and marrow. It says, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is uh, uh, really the best is last. The last is best or whatever. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Look the Greek word up. Discerner. The word is kritikos. Kazunai. Kritikos. And what's that word? You know what it is. Critical. Oh, that's the C word. Not critical. Brother, I don't like criticism. And God says you need criticism. My, my word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It will criticize your thought life. It will criticize your acting out life. It will criticize not to hurt you, but like a doctor to diagnose you and save you. This milk toast, frill, wearing, pink lemonade, sissy, don't hurt my feelings, PC generation is going to split hell wide open because they refuse to hear criticism and avoid it especially when they go to church. There were a whole, remember the guy with the Crystal Cathedral out there in California that went bankrupt recently? At one time, he was big, big old group. People went to him. How do you do this? How'd you do this? And they went to him. And they asked him how he did it. One of the things he said, and I listened to him, and he said, well, first thing, the secret to having a big church is never mention sin. People don't like to hear about sin. In essence, they don't want to be criticized. They don't want to come to church, dress up, eat breakfast, dress up, come to church, get their hair done, all that other stuff, sit down so some old red-faced Baptist preacher can tell them they're not living right. They ought to quit smoking, drinking, cussing, acting ugly, going to movie shows and watching the internet. You know? Man. And here's what they've done. That group that does not like criticism are filling churches who refuse to criticize them. The modern church movement is growing leaps and bounds. Growing leaps and bounds. And one of the reasons they're growing leaps and bounds is the same advice that old boy out there in California gave in his church seminar was quit criticizing them, quit telling them what's wrong with them, and start just telling them what's right with them. Let's just all have a big hug. Now, if you're a believer, think about it this way. If you're a believer in the Word of God, that it's divine, right? It's from heaven, right? It's alive, right? Quick, powerful. Sharpen a two-edged sword. You believe that. Then when it tells you that you're a sinner and unable to save yourself, that's going to cause you pain, but it's also going to cause you to get saved and get forgiveness and get the Holy Spirit and get the promises of heaven and have your names written in the Lamb Book of Life. That criticism, like a doctor who causes you pain or a dentist who causes you pain, gets rid of the cavity that's destroying you, gets rid of the infection that's destroying you, and by the grace of God helps you to really live. Second Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. 
but after their own lusts, that's desire, passionate desire, shall they heap to themselves teachers. In other words, they're going to hire a preacher because they have ears, having itching ears. What that means is that the people have ears wanting to be itched. In other words, tell me smooth things. Tell me sweet things. Tell me things that encourage me when I walk out of here. Life's tough enough. Tell me things that just lift me up. I can say this. If it's in the Bible, we'll preach it. If the Bible lifts you up, we'll lift you up. But if the Bible says uh, the negative of the Bible, we'll preach the negative. Fundamental people will preach the negative Bible equally with the positive of the Bible. They won't just take and preach the positive of it so you can go out of here and feel good but not be good. We want to preach the whole thing so that you actually are transformed by the grace of God, by the renewing of His Spirit. So we see in this passage... The Bible is divine, it's living, it's effectual, it's cutting, it's penetrating, it's discriminating, it's revealing. You can deny it, ignore it, fight it, hate it, pervert it, laugh at it, despise it, reject it, but you cannot escape it. You know the last words you're going to hear before you're cast into hell if you're lost? God's Word. You're going to hear God's Word. You can try to avoid it now, hate it now, move out away from it, don't come to churches where they talk about it, and try to stay away from it, but there's going to be a day that you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20, read it, and he's going to, you're, all of your offenses and sins are going to be brought before you. The Bible says every mouth will be stopped because the evidence is going to be so great. You're going to hit the pavement of heaven with your knees and cry, Lord, you're going to cry, Jesus Jesus, you are Lord. You're true. It's true. But it won't help you. Because you'll have to answer for your own sin, having rejected Jesus Christ in this little opportunity called life. You know Christ your Savior this morning? Do you know if you die today, you go to heaven? But not based on your feelings, not based on what grandpa told you, not based on what grandma told you, not based on what a preacher told you, but you can go to the Bible and you can say based on the Word of God, the old King James Bible, I'm going to tell you, it says this and here is where it is, and then go to another verse and say, hey, it says this and this is where it is, and in my faith, by grace of God, with all my heart, I've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody's perfect. Everybody sins. Everybody struggles, even after salvation. Yes, we struggle. Our faith is based in nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I love the song. Amen. I'm not saved by being a Baptist. I'm not saved by any denomination. I'm saved by the Word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Run, baby, run. And at the end of your journey, you will, at the end of your walk, this Word will strip you of your self-righteousness and your rags of righteousness and crush your pride and humiliate you before all heaven declaring you guilty as charged. Now, you don't have to have that ending. And by the grace of God, I don't want anybody to have that ending. Face it now or face it later, but you're going to face the Lord Jesus Christ. 
as God settles all differences and aligns all opinions to the truth, which side this morning are you on? What you do now in this life determines your future. You say, I'm not ready yet, preacher. I want to wait. The trouble with waiting is you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. In fact, you don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. You don't know that somebody's planted a bomb in here, and pretty soon it's going to go off and you're going to be dead. You don't know that. You're going to a church. You're honored enough to come here this morning to a church that had a bomb threat. About 20 years ago. I wanted you to cook on that a little bit. 20 years ago, we were taking an offering, and the sheriff came in the back with a dog, and he said, everybody out. We have a viable bomb threat, and he took the dog to smell through everything. And we went out in the parking lot, sang, finished the offering. <laughs> first things first. Finish the offering. And that's before any of this terrorism, any of it, before Columbine, before any of that terrorism, we had a bomb threat at Gospel Baptist. Now, why would anybody want to bomb us? They're afraid of the Word of God. They're afraid it threatens them. It convicts them. Makes them uncomfortable. Don't you... Give over to the touchy-feely generation and stand, having done all this, stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Stand, having done all this, stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust His Word. Now, I've been doing this now for since I was 18 years old. I began to put my weight on this book. I didn't know much of the book when I started. I couldn't name the 66 books of the Bible. I couldn't only name actually 20 of them. I, I took a test and I could name 20 of them. I d definitely couldn't spell them. Half of the names in the Bible I could not pronounce. I struggled a little bit with the and thou and, and, and didst and wouldst and couldst. And, but that shortly went away. Understood what it meant to prevent. Understood some of the words that were new to me. I learned them. As I began to peruse through this book, the Holy Spirit of God began to work on me little by little, just like building a building. It's stone by stone, stone by stone, stone by stone. And God changes you. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm coming to the end. And I don't, don't sit there and say, oh, brother, you've got 30 years left. You don't have a clue. You, I don't either. But I know this. I'm not what I used to be. And God's allowed me to come to end. And there's no better life having lived than to live for this book. Because it's the Word of God. Maybe that's why I don't have gray hair. How many 68-year-olds do you know have no gray hair? And you girls out there, I do not diet. The girl that cuts my hair is here. I thought to myself the other day, maybe God himself is having, he's saying, Bill, you trust my word, I'm going to let your hair stay black. The rest of these people worrying themselves to death, getting gray hair. Or Brother Tom with no hair. No. No, I'm just kidding you. Boy, it's a good to trust Jesus.
Put your faith in the Bible. Don't you let anybody, anybody pull you off of it. Don't you let it happen. Put your faith in the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Word. Father, thank you today for your mercy, your kindness. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.